Father, we thank you so much that we can come together in your name. We believe for your presence here and your power, and we believe for your revelation. Holy Spirit, you said that you would lead us into all truth and that you would reveal everything to us. You would even remind us of the things that Jesus said. And so we ask for that ministry tonight. Bring revelation, bring enlightenment. Lord, just open our hearts to understand things that we've not seen before. Lord, we lift a heal up to you right now. We know that you're already working in the midst of all that, but we just pray for your comforting ministry on her right now. I know she's shaken from that accident, but we praise you that she was safe and that, Lord, you preserved her. And we just give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So Darlene texted me tonight. She's feeling a whole lot better. She's just not able to get out tonight. So it's just going to be us. All right. All right. So does anyone remember what we've been talking about? Spirit, soul, and body. Okay. Something about the church. Our yeah. sinful, our sinful ways and how Working from the inside out. How does God work? He works always from the inside out. Absolutely. So anyone remember what scripture we used as our foundation when we started three weeks ago? Romans what? Six or eight. Eight what? Ten. Yeah. All right. Good job. Anyone want to read that for me? Romans 8, 10. be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Okay? And so what does that say? What's that mean? It's meaning our old nature is dead. Okay. Sin. Okay. Our soul is a new creation. Your soul? Spirit is a new creation. Spirit. He's saying that we're a unique situation. Any, we're a little bit of old, a little bit of new, which means we have some of the old lingering, and we have a whole lot of the new, right? Okay. So we kind of talked about this last time. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. You might have seen this before if you've ever listened to anyone teach on this. This is how some people will diagram it. And we are a soul, the core of our being, who we are is our spirit who we are your spirit if you were to drop dead today and you were to go to heaven it would still be you and you would be shockingly surprised to find out nothing changed it was the same you that was here on earth the difference is you shed that mortal shell 
And now you're just 100% spirit at that point with a renewed soul. Okay? So you've got a little bit of new, a little bit of old. So the part of you that changed when you got born again was what? Your spirit man. Anyone remember a scripture that tells us that? Second Corinthians 5 19. And what does it say? It says that all things pass away, all things become new in Christ mm-hmm. and are of God. Yep, for all those who are in Christ Jesus, old things passed away. What were those old things? Our, Our old sin nature. Who we were changed. Old things passed away. All things became new. And all things are? Of God. Of God. Okay. A nice scripture that goes right with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that all those who are in Christ Jesus, that we are joined to the Lord, we are one spirit. We're one spirit. So if you were to look at who I really am in the spirit... And you were to say, well, where's Matt and where's the Holy Spirit? You wouldn't be able to divide the two. We're so much one, you couldn't divide the two. Do you know that that's really what God intended in marriage? Look over at Ephesians. The Word of God can divide the two. Only the Word of God can. Yep. Look over at Ephesians. And we're looking over in chapter 5. And it says this. He start, he's actually talking about being filled with the Spirit. And isn't that what we've been talking about? The true meaning of what a Spirit-filled life is. Walking in the Holy Ghost. Right? Totally different from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's it for? For power. Scripture is very clear and it's very consistent. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you for power, he comes upon you how? Does he come with you, in you, or upon you? Upon you. But the Spirit is in us. And when does that happen? At salvation. And it's the Spirit of who? Of Jesus. Christ in us. The hope of glory. So if the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power... Are you telling me I don't have the Holy Spirit already? I didn't get the Holy Spirit at salvation? Yes. Then why do I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me? And aren't I complete in Him? This is what a lot of denominations struggle with, guys. They say you're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 3. You don't need any other experience. No, having the power upon you will, like, they'll show uh, the rule that you're in Christ because you're walking different than what the body is, what the world is walking. You're walking in God instead of walking in the world. So that basically coming up on you will show everybody around you like that you're the Christian. That it's like an aura that's coming off of you feeling like you're different. different in we should definitely be different from the people around us, shouldn't we? They should sense a difference about us. However, even Jesus Christ, even Jesus Christ had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And wasn't he God at his birth? Wasn't he complete already? He was. So we're not talking about not having something. We're talking about different ministries of the Godhead, aren't we? 
And so really what we're talking about is walking the spirit, what it truly means to be spirit-filled. And what did we learn that that word filled means? Anyone remember from two weeks ago? Is it like a glass that's running over? No, You'll hear people say out. that. It's like the light that word filled literally means to be controlled. We're talking about control. Who is controlling you? That's the question. Who's in control? Jesus. Should be. Should be. Is he? Should be. Is he? Right. So looking over here in Ephesians chapter 5, he says this, starting in verse 18, he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is access, but be filled with the Spirit. Or in other words, be controlled by the Spirit, that inward Spirit that's within us. And when you are controlling the Spirit, you're going to be speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're going to be giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. And then it even takes that a little bit further and says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also has loved the church, and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself, glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever has yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. You hear what's going on? He's saying husbands, wives, husbands, wives. And he's really coming off this idea of submitting to each other, which is part of the fruit of the spirit, right? We're really talking about love. And then listen to what he says. Verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It's a great marriage scripture, isn't it? Talks about marriage, tells you all about how you all should behave, right? And then Paul throws a wrench in it and says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. <laughs> I'm not even talking about marriage, folks. I'm still on the same topic I was talking about before, being filled by the Spirit of God, being filled by the Spirit of Christ. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husbands. So he says, I'm not even really talking about husband and wife. What I'm talking about is this whole concept that a man will leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one, and it was a type and a shadow of what would happen in the new birth that man would leave an old creation and be joined unto the Lord through death and resurrection and the two would become one. Not in flesh, but in spirit. Those who are joined unto the Lord, they are one spirit. They're one spirit. So who are we in Christ? What, what has changed? If old things passed away, all things became new. We're spirit, but, but what is my spirit like? How do you know what your spirit's like? It's one with God. Do what? It's one with God. It's one with God. Okay, so my spirit is one with God. What else? It's Christ-like. It's Christ-like. What else? 
Crickets, crickets, crickets. <laughs> Romans 5, 5, the Holy Ghost has shed the love of God abroad in my heart. My Holy Spirit is filled with the love of God. Why? Because God is there and God is what? Love. God is love. So it's full of love. Isn't it? What else? The same power that rose Christ from the dead also will quicken your mortal flesh. Right. So we have resurrection power. Right? Technically, you have the entire Godhead in you. Doesn't sound like it really makes a whole lot of sense at the moment until you understand that 2 Corinthians 5 that we've been quoting, verse 19. If you read the rest of that, it also says something about Jesus. You want to remember what it says? How Jesus lived and walked? It says that it was God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Was Jesus going out and doing miracles? Yes. It's a tricky question. <laughs> Jesus said, the works that I do, I'm not doing them. But it's the Father within me. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Christ humbled himself he came in the form of a servant. He literally emptied himself. He laid down his glory. It didn't mean that he didn't have the capability of picking it back up, but he chose. Let's flip over there. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. It says, verse 5, Let this mind or let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't consider it a bad thing or something that was blasphemous or anything like that to go out and call him God. He was God. He was God. It's not blasphemous for you to say that God is in you. He is in you. Okay? He was equal to God. He was God. In the beginning was God. And the word was God. And he goes on and he says, But he made himself of no reputation... And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being fashioned, or being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Jesus emptied himself of all of his divinity and he laid that down. And did Jesus say he was going to raise himself up from the grave? How did Jesus raise from the dead? He says the Father, the Father, if he was pleased with his sacrifice, would raise him up by that self-same spirit that he's placed in us. Jesus was completely dependent upon the God inside of him, upon the Father who was living on the inside of him. What does he tell us to do? To be like him, to be controlled by the Spirit, to be dependent, to humble ourselves, and to submit ourselves to that inner man, right? So you got to know some things. First thing we need to really know is who we are. If I were to ask you who you are, what would you say? Don't give me some spiritual idea, but who, if I said, describe to me who you are, what would you say, do you think? Scott, what would you say? 
No trick question. <laughs> Something about myself. Just describe yourself to me. Physical appearance. However you want to do it. Tell me something about yourself, Christina. Describe yourself to me. Hardworking, caring, loving, Okay. Okay, Mark, what about you? I am a child of the Most High God, and I am redeemed according to the Scripture. <laughs> He's like, I know this one. <laughs> what we tend to do is define ourselves and find our identity in the things that we do, in the things that we feel, things that we say, our behavior. We say, I behave like X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I must be X, Y, and Z, right? Our behavior does not define who we are. Who we are defines our behavior. So for most Christians... They sit around thinking, well, I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I know I've got God inside of me, so why do I keep sinning? Right? Haven't we had this conversation already? Yes. <laughs> We're going to go a little bit deeper into this, okay? So let me ask you this. If I go up to you, Scott, I'm just picking on you because you're close. <laughs> if I go up to you and I say, hey, Scott, you know what? I think you should go commit a sin. I really think, I think that you should just come over here and just plot with him. You should do that. What are you going to tell me? No. Did you even have to think about it? Didn't even have to think about it. It wasn't even a thought that crossed your mind. It was like, huh? Right? Right? Why? Why didn't you even think about it? Why wasn't it even a temptation? You know what? Why not? Why do you love it? So why is it that when you have thoughts that come to you, like, I ought to go over there and just clobber him, why is that such a temptation, and why do we succumb to those types of things so much? Because things put in your mind, and uh, like, Maybe things you're reading or watching on television and stuff like that could, you know, should it works on TV? Let's see if it works. Let me hit you. Well, wait a minute. Because I'm angry and I'm focused on that anger. You're what? Focused. Focused? On your anger. But, but hold on. When I tried to get you to do it, you wouldn't do it. But because that thought came to you a different way, was you're willing to do it? Was it from a <laughs> Flip over here to Romans 7. Because we're going to get in the crooks of this tonight. Romans 7 is all about living the defeated life. Living in the flesh. It's the most defeated chapter in your entire Bible. And it's Paul's discovery of why the Christian sins like they do. Okay? And you have to understand some things about this, or you'll never be able to walk in victory. You just can't. And this is what he says. He starts discovering some things about himself. And let's look over here at chapter 7, 
and we're going to look at verse 7. We're going to start there, okay? And he says, what shall we say then? Well, actually, hold on. I'm going I'm to take you to a different place because I want to get right to what we're talking about, okay? Um, verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent into the law that it is good. So what's he saying? He's saying, I know what the standard of God is, right? I know right and wrong, right? And I want to do what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong, right? But I really want to do what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong. Well, if you really want to do what's right, then why are you keep doing the things that are wrong? If I try to get him to hit him, he won't do it. But if the thought pops up in his own head, he might. Why? What's the difference? Paul discovered this. Verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it. Whoa, wait a minute. Are you trying to say the devil made me do it? That's what it sounds like. It sure does, don't it? Don't it? No, Paul discovered a secret. Who did Paul say that he was? James chapter 1. When we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's like what? It's like a mirror. And it shows us what? What manner of man we are. But then we walk away. And we forget. And we forget. Forget. Not feel. We forget. Knowledge. What does Romans 12, 2 tell us? Be not conformed to this world, but be... How? Through the renewing of our mind. Philemon 6 says through the... Does anyone remember? That the communication of our faith would become effectual through the acknowledging of every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. If you're going to be controlled by your feelings, if you're going to be controlled by every thought that comes your way, you need to understand that those thoughts come from a lot of different areas, and a lot of those areas are not you. You know how we know that? Because Hebrews, as well as the Old Covenant in Jeremiah, tells us that God made a promise, a promise of a new covenant. And in this new covenant, what was God going to do? Anyone remember? He was going to take his law, and what was he going to do with it? He was going to put it in our hearts, and he was going to put it in our minds. Are you saved? Yes. Are you born again? So what's your mind like? Christ-like. <laughs> Carl's like, don't even ask. <laughs> Depend on the day and how many kids are there. <laughs> there you go. You know what? If we could crack her spirit open and we could take a look at her, you would see that she has the mind of Christ. 100% perfect mind of Christ. All the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the revelation of God right there. So why is she saying, well, it depends on the day. <laughs> That's the humanness of the outer part. Because we got two minds. Because you still have a part of you that's new, and you got a part of you that's old. Right. And Paul admonishes us to how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we get into the Spirit? Renewing our minds. Our mind makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Paul isn't saying the devil made me do it. Paul is saying, I know who I am and I know who I'm not. And when I got saved, I know what happened.
God took this heart of stone out of me and he put his heart in me. Matter of fact, he did one step better than that. He came inside of me. He said, I will walk in them and I will be their God and they'll be my people. And no more shall I tell them this is the way I walk in it for everyone will know me. Well, how is everyone going to know him? Because he's going to be in them. Remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? He would lead us into all truth. He would reveal Christ to us. He'd reveal all things to us, right? That we'd be taught by God from the inward man. Paul is saying, I can't sin. That's what Paul's saying. Because does the Holy Spirit sin? No. And my spirit is one with the Lord. He identified himself as one with God, and God don't sin. Now, he wasn't stupid enough to say, I never commit a sin. He's saying, but I know where it comes from. I, and that's half the battle. Remember Jesus made a comment to those Pharisees. They said, you're casting out devils by Beelzebub. And what was Jesus' response? The kingdom that's divided against itself kind of stand. Okay, so if you think that you're the source of every sin that goes through you, but you're also, <laughs> how can a kingdom divided stand? You see what I'm saying? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. This is everything that Jesus talked about. Jesus said you can't put new wine in old wineskins and vice versa. You can't do it. It don't work. Paul discovered a secret. And he discovered it by living it himself and understanding it. And this is what he said. Now then, it is no more I that do it. I want us all to come to that understanding. I am not the source of the sin in my life. I'm not the source of it. I'm not the source. Okay? But what did Paul say what the source was? But sin that dwells in me. I thought the sin nature was gone. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified in Christ. Nevertheless I live. Not I but Christ lives in me. So what's Paul talking about? Anyone remember? Flesh. The residual stuff. And what does Romans 6 call that? You're, you're close. Yeah. Hang your finger right over here. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that old part of us, that part of us that made us sin, that compelled us to sin, that part that made you a sinner, who you were, that part that changed at the new birth, it is dead. It was crucified with him. It was dead and buried, and it ain't coming back. He didn't raise it up. He replaced it, and he replaced it with a risen Christ, and he put him in you. And he says, if the Spirit of Christ be not in you, you are none of his. Okay? But he said that there's something else in there. He says that the body of sin might be destroyed. So sin, the sin nature is gone, but it left behind a body. A body. And what was that body made up of? Well, kind of. We're kind of getting there. Kind of getting there. Let me take you down a little bit further, shall we? Here in Romans 6. Keep remembering that. It's the sin that dwells in me. Is it the sin nature? It's the body of sin that remains. The body of sin. Actually, we're going to still be here in 6. But let me read verse 18 in Romans 7. For I know that in me, 
That is, in my flesh. In my flesh. Okay, now Paul's starting to put some definition here. What is flesh? Self is a good word for it. What parts of us is it? What comprises the flesh? That's our soul. Do what? The body is part of it. And what else? Seven senses, which is part of the body. Uh huh. And then there's something else. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. What part of you is new? What part of you is old? The spirit. The spirit. Is the soul is old. Body is old. So the body and soul. He's a soul man. There you go. He's a soul man. <laughs> You're right. It'll be almost like you, uh, when God came in and uh, gave you the new, took away the sin nature, but you still got the seed of the sin in you. So Not the seed, because that would mean the spirit. You've got the remnant. You've got what's left behind. Nasty stint. Yep. Remember, James puts it this way: just like the the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works dead. Well, what happens if you die? Does that mean there's no part of you left behind? No, your body would be. Your body's left behind, and it says that sin left behind a body, and that body is comprised of ideas, concepts, imaginations. Habits, lust. I would say really all of that can be wrapped up in this idea of the word lust if you looked it up and really understood what it was talking about. Okay? And listen to what Paul says, verse 18. He says, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, when he says flesh, think of it this way, the part of me that has not been changed, the part of me that is still natural, part of that old creation. That's why we started out with Romans 8.10. He says that because of Christ, the spirit is alive because of righteousness, but the body is dead because of sin. What's he saying? You've got two creations, you've got life, and you've got death, and they're living in the same place, and oh my gosh, how is this thing going to work? You want to choose to decide. You want to be alive or you want to be dead over at your life? And Paul's explaining how do you live as a new creation in an old creation body. That's what he's telling you, okay? The flesh part of you is that old part of you that has not been changed yet. The old attitudes, the old emotions. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. And vain what? Imaginations. Imaginations. And every what? High thing. High thing. Actually, high thought that excels itself against the knowledge of God. It talks about knowledge. It talks about imaginations. If you look in the Amplified, you get a whole lot more in there. It talks about desires and concepts and philosophies. It's talking about the soul. <coughs> and what did we learn about the soul? It's like a faucet, isn't it? You can go to some faucets and you can turn on hot, or you can turn on cold, or maybe you get a little bit of lukewarm like some of the church. Right? A little bit of both. Well, that's the same thing that your soul does. And it happens in the source of your thinking. And where you sow, you will go. If you are carnally minded, naturally minded, old creation minded, 
it will be what? Yeah. Death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life, Life and peace. Love. Right? John 7, Jesus says, if you believe in me, as the scripture says, out of your innermost being, out of what? Your spirit shall flow what? Rivers. Not water. Not a river. Rivers of living water. And this he spake of the spirit which had not yet been given yet. That's exactly what it says. He's talking about living from the inside out. And Paul is saying that who I am is a man that is divinely merged with the Holy Ghost, and I am Christ-like, I am loving, I think the law, I desire the law. I'm not, not that I have to obey the law for righteousness' sake, for I'm already righteous in Him, but God's standard and will and His ways are already put on the inside of me. So if Jesus was standing right here, would He think a thought like, you ought to go over there and hit Him? No. Would He? No. How do you know? Because just as Jesus is right now, so are you in this world, right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. So what's going on when this thought comes to you? Because I tried to get you to hit him and you wouldn't hit him. But the thought comes to you and it might be an option. I don't know. It just depends on the day. It depends on the day. I would say sit closer to Scott than Darla. It's safer there. I just I figured that out already, okay? Mark, he's just used to it. He knows when to dodge. <laughs> what it's telling me is, if we think it's coming from us, we might entertain it. But if I think it's coming from someone else, I know I'm going to fight it. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Then why are you allowing that to? Because you believe it's you. Here's something you got to understand about God and everything else. You want to learn to hear the voice of God? You know how God speaks nine times out of ten? God, nine times out of ten, doesn't come up to me and say, Matthew, I want you to go over to Mark, and I want you to lay hands on him, and I want you to pray for him, and this is what I want you to say. And I'm sitting here, though. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hold on, could you repeat that one more time? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, it don't happen. It don't happen. Usually what happens is I'll be in prayer, I'll be worshiping God or something, and either on the inside of me I'll see something, or I will say, inside of me, I'm going to go lay hands over on Mark. And when I lay hands on Mark, all of a sudden I start speaking by the Spirit. It's not prepared. It's not some. It's inspired. It's in the moment. It's coming from the inward being. But wait a minute. I said that. I said that. But no, I thought it was God. But no, it's you. But no, I thought it was God. Because God is in you, and he's one with you. So when he says, Naomi, this is what I want you to do, he's not going to say, Naomi, this is what I want you to do. The thought's going to come to her out of her spirit, man, I want to go over there and I want to pray for her. And that's actually God on the inside saying, Naomi, I want you to go over and pray for her. Why would God say, Naomi, I want you to go over and pray for her, when he's talking to himself? He's in you. You're one with him. Do you see what I'm saying? But you have a part in you that used to be in control. It liked being in control. 
And how did it talk? I'd go over there and just smack that guy. Right? So you don't have thoughts that come to you now that say, God, I think you should go over there and smack that guy. Instead, you get thoughts of saying, I'm going to go over there and smack that guy. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. First person singular. First person singular pronoun. It makes you believe it's you. And listen to what Paul says about this. He says, going back over to Romans 7, we're still not done with 6. We're going to get over there. Just be patient. 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Nothing good is in that flesh. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 7. He said that whatever is spirit is spirit. And whatever is flesh is flesh. What was he saying? The two don't cross. There's never an intermingling. You either flesh or you're spirit. You're not both. Well, I've known people moving by the Spirit of God, and they were kind of in the flesh, kind of in the spirit. No, they were in the flesh. <laughs> there ain't no intermingling. <laughs> and what it's talking about is where are you drawing your strength from? What are you submitting yourself to? Because in Romans chapter 6, remember I told you we we're going to get back there, but hold in 7, we're going to be back there too. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12, it says, now we know that the sin nature's gone, right? And we're talking about that noun of sin, and we've identified it in chapter 6, verse 6, as being the body of sin, that left behind part. We're going to call it the power of sin, the influence of sin, that part left behind, the body of sin, right? And he says this, let not sin therefore reign where? In your mortal body. You know what that tells me? Where is sin? In your body. What did Paul say? He said, I know that in me there is no good thing. Well, hold on now. <laughs> Not in me. That is in my flesh. Because that's where sin dwells. Not the old nature that compelled me to do something. You know, some people might think, well, what's the difference? The difference is this. If it's you making you do it, you can't stop that. A kingdom divided cannot stand. But if the real you, and you understand who you are in Christ, and you know that the only thing coming out of you all the time from the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, you know that the constant flow of God through you is nothing but love and divinity and power and healing. When you know that's how God flows through you, when other things come to you, you're going to say, oh, no, no, no. Matt, shut up. I'm not going over there and slapping that guy. Sin, shut up. I'm not submitting myself to you. I'm not letting you reign in my mortal body. This body is going to be submitted to the Lord, Romans 12.1. Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you surrender yourself. You yield your members as what? A living sacrifice, holy acceptable. And lo and behold, this is the same thing that Paul says here. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it. You're obeying something. If my mom were to call me and say, Matt, I want you to do this. I'm making a decision if I'm going to obey it or not, right? If I said, I don't know if I want a piece of cake or not. Am I trying to obey something? I'm making a decision. I'm not obeying anything. I'm just deciding what I want, right? 
by the virtue of using the word obey, you're talking about two individuals interacting. And Paul says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey it. You hear what it's saying? Don't yield yourself to a corpse. Those things are left behind things. If you had a dead body sitting here, would you be like, do you want steak or eggs? What do you want? <laughs> what would you want? You wouldn't do that, right? You'd say, get that guy a casket and get him out of here. That's disgusting, right? We bury dead things. He says that the old man is crucified and you have to know it so that the body of sin might be destroyed. Until you are convinced that you're not the source of what's going on, you'll never know how to overcome it. Because you can't defeat yourself. That's just stupid. Instead, you've got to know that you are righteous and truly holy. That nothing's coming out of you but God. And anytime anything else is coming out, it's not you. It's not you. But it's the sin that still dwells in your mortal flesh. And you stop and you say, Lord, you know what? You're right. It got me. But I submit myself to you now, Lord. I yield myself to you. And how is it doing it? It's doing it through lust, through desires, through a want to. Listen to what it says. Let not therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof and neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Sin wants to use your body as its instrument. In some translations, it's literally the word weapon. And it's your choice what you're going to do. You have to have this concept. That sin is almost like a parasite living on the inside of you. It's part of what's left behind from that old man. And when Jesus comes, it's the part he's going to totally eradicate. But until then, you will still have to deal with those things. Well, how do we deal with them? I'm not ever going to think that way. Never. No, no, no. Not going to think about it. Oh, no. Or instead, what do we do? Think on these things. Whatever is good. Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is godly, right? You're still going to have trials and tribulations go through, but mm-hmm. depends on how you handle them and have God in your life. It definitely make it like walking through the dark uh, valley, the death valley, and then uh, you will just walk right across to God with you. But if you're going to uh, dwell on a situation, and because I've been on both sides of that, you know, uh-huh. I know I love God. But why am I having so much problems here? And, and it's how you go through a trial. Back and, and you want to know, know who you're being controlled by when you're going through that trial? How are you going through it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, am I saying that you're never going to have trials and tribulations? Oh no, you're probably going to have more. Because <laughs> the enemy, you know what? Here's the problem. You got another guy out there named who? Satan. Satan. And he knows something about you that we're just now learning. And what is that? In your flesh, (laughs) there dwells no good thing. (laughs) And he's learned how to manipulate that old sucker. And he's figured out I can get that sin to do my bidding in there, and I can kind of manipulate that thing and get them to be thinking along the lines I want them to. This word lust is a big deal, and you need to understand what it means because it's how 
you're controlled by the Spirit of God and by that sin part of you that's still there. Not the nature, the body of sin. Flip over to some scriptures real quick. How much time do we got? Okay, I got six minutes, so get your Bible on speed dial. Because we're going to look at this, okay? Yes, we do. <laughs> Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.3. Second Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall turn unto fables. What's going to cause people in the last days to run to a lie and despise the truth? Lust. 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 Now see, if you're thinking of lust as just being a sexual thing, you're totally missing out. You're totally off the deep end. Because lust is just a nice King James word to talk about desire. Desires. Do what? Pressure. Here, how does God work in your life? And how does the enemy work in your life? It's one nifty word. Influence. God doesn't force you to do anything. He influences you to do it. He inspires he guides, he encourages, he exhorts, he comforts, but he doesn't force. Only in final judgment will you be forced into anything. And even then, it was your own choice. How does the enemy work in your life? The enemy goes about as a roaring lion, what? Seeking what? Whom he may devour. He can't devour everyone. Who can he devour? Those who will yield to his influence. Eve, did God really say not to eat of all of the trees of the garden? I mean, that kind of seems unreasonable, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. If you're really God, Jesus, turn these stones to bread because, I mean, you're God. What was he doing? Suggestions, imaginations, thoughts, influences. See what I'm saying? Influences. Like you tried to commit Jesus to jump off the sides of the cliff and say, well, if you're God, you'd be able to fly and be able to land safely. He was trying to pressure Jesus into proving who he was. Prove to all of us who you were. Jesus never submitted to that influence from anybody. Let's look at another one here. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation that has appeared to all men, teaching us all, denying ungodly and worldly lusts. Lusts. Titus 2, 11 and 12. That we should live soberly, righteousness, and godly in this present world. It's lust that grace teaches us to abstain from. It goes on. Let's see. Titus 3.3. I should have pulled my finger out of there, huh? <laughs> Titus 3.3 says, if I can get my page to turn here. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. She's talking about when we were unborn again, when we were still sinners. We were foolish, we were disobedient, deceived, 
serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. What's that sound like? Today. <laughs> Today it does. The flesh, doesn't it? Corresponds exactly with the flesh, right? But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Before we were saved, we lived in a world of lust. Okay? Let's go on here. James 4.1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war where? In your members, in your body, in your body. You lust and you don't have. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask in this that you may consume it upon your own lusts. Your own lusts. 1 Peter 1.14 As obedient children, not fashioning... Actually, I'm going to go back to the, to the verse before. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind... Oh, we're talking about our thought life again. Be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is the hope of the grace that's going to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ? What's he talking about? What is the revelation of Jesus Christ? The second coming of Christ. When Jesus was revealed to the world, and he says there's a hope of grace that's going to give, be given to us, and what is it? The born-again body. The glorified body. He says we're to hope for that. We're to look for it. Why? Because of what he's getting ready to say. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, so you be also holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy as I am holy. You know, I could go on and on and on and on, but let's go to Romans 13, 14. So we need to turn our lust around for the good, so lust after the Lord and thanks for the Lord instead. Uh, if only you would use your lust for good and not evil. <laughs> Hold on, we're getting there. Chapter 13, verse 14. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh how do you make provision provision for the flesh well he tells you that you do not fulfill the lust thereof when you're talking about flesh you're talking about lust and what does that lust look like the body well go over to galatians chapter 5 and we can see the result of those types of lusts And remember what it says in, in verse 16 of chapter 5. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill what? The lust. the lust of the flesh. What's the problem with the flesh? 
it has lus. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, this, verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the Holy Spirit against the flesh. So the spirit has lust also. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Whoa, wait a minute. What did Paul say over in Romans 7? The things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I don't want to do, that's what I'm doing. Well, why, Paul? Because you are yielding to the lust of the flesh because you don't recognize the source that they have come from. And you have to decide, Paul, are you going to walk in the spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh? How do I walk in the flesh? Well, Romans 6 tells us, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. <clears throat> you know how I can walk in the flesh? I can sin. That's part of it. But there's a lot of things that aren't sin that are carnal. A lot of it. And that goes more towards my thought life. Do you know the flesh can lead you to do things that aren't even sinful? But still contrary to the Spirit of God? You know what one of those things might be? It may be that you want to go plant flowers out in your flower bed. Is that wrong? Mommy, is it wrong to have a nice flower bed? No. Is God against that? No. Not at all. But what if he says, why don't we go plant flowers instead of praying? We can pray later. You can pray while you do it. Would that be a sin? It's not a sin to go plant flowers, but it's leading you away from the Spirit, isn't it? Whomever you subject yourself to, whoever you yield control to, that is the one that you're yielding to that influence. That's the one you're submitting, and you have a choice. Either the Spirit or the flesh, and you need to recognize a lot of that comes through lust through desires, through your thought life, through ideas and imaginations. Do you know that you can't go temptation-wise where you haven't thought? You can't lust and desire for what you haven't already thought? That's not true. Sure it is. Nobody said, I'd really like a piece of cake right now. Until they started thinking, that piece of cake looks really good. And all of a sudden, I'd sure like a piece of cake. There's a lot of times that I'll walk around. You know, I walk around the mall all the time when I'm with my family, and I'll go, ooh, hey, did you look at that girl? Hey, honey, did you check her out? No, you know that ain't what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> then you hear the smack, right? And someone's picking me up off the floor. <laughs> you know that's not what's going on. But maybe you walk past a picture window that has someone scantily dressed in it and the idea or imagination just, just fleetingly, sin just kind of says, hey, check that out. And then you're walking through the mall and you're like, hey, check that out. Remember what we talked about? I really wanted to buy a certain car at one time. Never had seen one before. But then all of a sudden, everybody had that car. Everyone had that car but me. And what did it make me want to do? I want to go buy that car. I want to be like everybody else. Everyone else has got that car. Why can't I do that? Do you see how this works? You got a choice. 
You can either focus on the Spirit of God, and this is the same reason that good, good fellowship leads people towards good habits and lifestyles, and bad fellowship corrupts people into bad habits and bad behavior. Why? Because a numbness and its exposure that comes to you. You start thinking in certain ways. You're exposed to it. It must be okay. They're doing it. It's the same reason God gave the law at the time of Noah. There is a lust that is battling in you, and there's a lust from the Spirit of God, and they're contrary one to another, and they're fighting against each other, and you are the deciding factor. And Paul says, I encourage you to walk in the Spirit. And the lusts of the Spirit are these, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. Against such there is no law. There is nothing that says thou shalt not. But the works of the flesh, the behavior of the flesh. You can't see the wind, but you can see its, its effects, right? You can't see a lust, but you can see its results. The works of the flesh are what? Adultery, fornication, Uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, rivalings, such like of which I tell you before, as I have told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember when I asked you, describe yourself to me? And some of you guys started doing what? Telling me what you do for a living, telling me what <laughs> things that you like, who you love, right? You, you were describing actions in a lot of ways, right? Paul is describing actions. He's describing actions. These are the works of the flesh. These are the results of a man who has yielded himself to lust that has stemmed from flesh, from that body of sin that is still within. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. That's going to lead to death. This is the open door for every evil thing. Every evil thing. James says it this way. He says, where there are envying and strife, there is deception and every evil thing. Every sickness, disease, death, every evil thing. The flesh is the doorway to Satan in our life. And when he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, what's he saying? He's saying you can't tear those strongholds down. See, this is where we get mixed up. We think if I read my Bible enough, if I quote it enough, if I say, by his stripes I'm healed, I'm going to be healed. No. There is a benefit to confessing the word. There is a benefit to reading the word. You need to do those things. But you will never overcome that stronghold the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, they're not things that you can weld, but they're mighty in God. They're the things that God uses to do those things in you. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Hezekiah, put your worshipers out in front of you, not your warriors. God's going to fight for you today. Same reason that Ephesians chapter 6 says this, to put on the whole armor of God, that in the day 
of wickedness, you might be able to what? Stand. stand. And having done all? To stand. to stand. What do you do? <coughs> stand. Stand where? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. When we focus our attention on Him and pull it away from carnal natural things, then God is unleashed to work in us and He can pull down strongholds, vain imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And remember what the rest of that verse says? And bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought. Where is the battle? It's in your mind. Every thought. Where? Unto the obedience of you? Of Christ. Christ in you both to do and will his good pleasure. Right? Amen? All right. You want to close this in prayer, Scott? Father God, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's our teacher. We just reveal the good truths of the Word to us, Father. We just praise you for that. We thank you. We thank you for our risen Savior. We thank you for the born again Spirit of our, of our new creation that is in Christ. And all things are of God. Father, we just thank you for, for life peace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we just we just ask you to write all these truths on our heart, on the tablets of our hearts. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, thank you.